Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure. Don't change who you are for anyone else. Carry on. Be who you are. Stay true to yourself. Always have the ethic that you can work hard and the can-do attitude and it will get you far. Today I'm talking to Mel Evans. Mel is the PA to the board at the National Nuclear Laboratory and also supports a number of executives and she'll be soon moving into recruitment at NNL. Mel lives in Lee with her husband Kieran and dog Bruce and is a fan of all things sports related. She holds a season ticket for Wigan Warriors, the rugby league team. Welcome Mel and thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me Andrew, great to be here. It's lovely to see you and let's take you back to your school days and tell us a little bit about what you were like at school growing up in Lee. Okay so my my younger days probably still shows a little now I was I was shy I was very shy a very shy young girl um, sort of like to go about unnoticed and and do my business and, and not sort of be out there Um I, I grew up I've got a brother and a sister and there's only two years in my brother and myself. Um, so we was quite close. So inevitably, I ended up sort of a tomboy. Um, and we was we used to play rugby, football together. We live and breathe football, basically. But yeah, I sort of went went through school unnoticed. I was I was fairly clever. I did quite well. Um, never sort of top sets, but sort of the second second of the top set. But yeah, all the way through school, I I never never got into any trouble I was so so quiet and then when my, my brother actually started high school they actually couldn't put the connection because he was sort of he was a naughty one and and they actually didn't think there was brother and sister they were so really? different yeah they were so different yeah. and, and tell us about this this passion for rugby league I mean it's a fantastic game isn't it it is it is yeah it's rough and it's sort of it's more aimed at, at sort of working class so like a family could go it's much more affordable you could take your family for less than a couple of hundred pound like some of the other games you can actually get tickets um but yeah lee's a rugby town um so i've always been brought up around rugby when i was younger i actually used to go and watch my brother play rugby every weekend in the cold rain followed him around all over all over the place we actually went to amsterdam and one year and watched him play for great britain so we've always had that as a family a link to rugby league and and we've always sort of been and watched whatever we could. It's just just a rugby town. So yeah, we sort of got season tickets for Wigan Warriors, um, myself and my husband, and we just we love going. It's it's the only thing we do, and it's just something that we really like doing. Um, but aside from rugby, I, I've always I've always liked all things sports, but I had a real obsession with football in my younger days. Oh, did you? Um, what what, what so, team was it? Manchester United it will be, so it? <laughs> all of all of my pictures of being a, a young child I've got a, a Manchester United top on it's either David Beckham and I think Ronaldo it was in the end every single picture is me with tracksuit bottoms on a football in my hand and, and my United top on I was obsessed so when I got a bit older I, I actually found a girls football team which started playing with Wigan Athletic ladies they called us back then 
Um, so I wasn't wasn't too old, probably about 12, 12, 13 doing that. And then I played defender. So I was I was quite quite good at that. But back then, not that long ago, girls didn't play football and it, it wasn't as popular as it is now. Now they're on TV, aren't they? And they, they get paid. I mean, it might have been an option for you, I suppose, you know, going into sport, professional sport, possibly. But at the time, it just wasn't an option, I guess. So what, what was going through your mind about, you know, you, you, you're at Wesley High School there um, in Lancashire, and then you decided to go on to St Mary's Sixth Form College uh, in Manchester. What, what sort of thoughts had you got about things you enjoyed or what you might do when you left? Well, really, with with football, when, when I sort of got that a bit older, I realised that that wasn't going to happen I was never going to be able to to play professionally I think the only way of doing it is going to America at that time and girls just didn't didn't play football professionally um so it was like as I was leaving school I thought what am I going to do now what does this mean for me and to be honest Andrew I never really knew the whole way through school um once I found out that so I, I made a decision when I was at high school to go to a college where I didn't know anyone um, complete new start, sort of get, find myself. I, I wanted to sort of find myself um, and just have a new start with, with people. So I decided to pick um, my A-levels, so business studies, IT and ec- economics, I picked at first. Um, and then I just went into it with an open mind. So I'm thinking, let's, let's, get, let's have a challenge. It was, it was a massive step to do that. It's a very brave step, wasn't it, to do so why did you want to make that sort of clean break, do you think? I think sort of all my friends at high school was was going on to do hairdressing and and, and things a bit girly. It might sound crazy to say. But and I just I just didn't want to go to a hairdressing college or I just didn't I always knew I didn't want to do that sort of sort of career. And I did not want that. Um so I thought, right, we'll go to this college and I knew I knew people that was going to the college but not any anyone from my school so that that was the break that I made and it was still sort of just outside of Leeds it was never far to go but it was more a sixth form instead of um, a college so similar links it was it, it was quite a closer I don't know if they treated you less less like adults I, I would put it it sort of nurtured you a bit more but yeah it was a massive massive decision it was and I suppose being a little bit shy you were sort of thrown into this new environment where you were treated slightly different. There were people that maybe you knew a little bit, but not as well as you'd known them at school. So how did you kind of find your feet in that new place? So I was myself. I think looking back now, I was just me um, and take it as you see me. If you don't like me, that's fine. If if not, then if you do, then we'll have a great time. Um, so it turned out to be the best decision I, I ever made. I had I had the best two years of my life. Um, I found friends of all different walks of life that I've, I'd never thought that was out there. They were such kind people. I sort of found the social element of just turning 18, 17, 18, to started doing the sixth form parties and then going out. And then I, I really found confidence and sort of the shy me definitely went a little so you were going through this fantastic two years, finding new friends, enjoying the social life, enjoying some of what you were studying there. Um, what did you think about what you might want to do in your future at that point? So still at this age, at 18 years old, I, I still didn't know 
what sort of career I wanted to do. Um, and, and I remember my teachers at college saying, if you don't go to uni, you'll not get a good job. You'll not get paid very well. And, and that always, and still does now, resonates with me. And I think you're wrong because you can work hard as well, equally, and, and make it just just for grit and determination. Um, so it was me, and I, I remember me and this other girl, was one other girl in my class, and she was the same as me. She had a job lined up. She was, she was ready to go and work with, like, parents she was fine and happy at earning the money so, so I remember sitting in in this classroom one day and we was all supposed to be applying for universities and me and this girl was like we you, there's no point in us sort of applying because we just do not want to go and it, it still always sticks in my mind I do see that girl every now and then um, and she's done really well for herself too so it shows that the teachers weren't always right I always think there's different pathways for different people and you want to you want to be on the pathway that fits you, you know? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I, I never, just never appealed to me and, and I don't know if other people say the same thing. And I was home bird. I liked being at home and I liked to earn my money. At, at that time, I was doing college and I had two part-time jobs, so I was earning my money um, and then I could go spend it with my friends at the weekend. So it just it just suited me. And I just never, never wanted to go to university. And it's still never, I've never regretted that because it's never changed. Good for never. you. Good for you. So then you had to go and find a job. So <laughs> tell us through, were you applying for all sorts of things at that time and going to interviews or what? Yeah, I'd had a few interviews. Some of them I was terrible with because, again, the shy me came out and it's just a new world and you're asking, you're being asked serious questions and, it's massive so yeah I had a couple of interviews some of them didn't work out I applied for loads loads and jo- loads of jobs um but luckily I was, I was quite fortunate my mum worked for a company called UK Mail so a, a career company um not too far from Lee so really easy for me to get to um and they basically said we've got a we've got a maternity job coming up you can come and you can cover for nine twelve months um and then we'll see, see how you get on so, so I, I stepped into this tiny office. I remember my first day, I was terrified. I thought, this is big world now. This is massive. Um, so so I'd clock it, it was clocking in and clocking out back then. So we had this machine that we used to clock in and clock out. Um, and my mum worked in a different area. So I wasn't sort of in and sat with my mum or anything like that. I was sort of chucked in at the deep end. Yeah. It does feel serious, doesn't it? That first day of work, you yeah. Know, you clock on and you think, "Oh right, now I must be, I should be working now." You know. Yeah, you got all sorts running through your head. Sort of, will they like me? Will I be any good? You, you just don't know. And as long as I think you've got that, the attitude that you you can do it and you will have a go, then that's always worked for me. And what were your so, sort of colleagues like there when you started? So there was a mixture. So I saw some people that had been there forever. There was a particular lady, she, she'd been there 30 years and I thought, God, I could, I can learn so much from this lady. Um, she was really, they was all really nice. Um, but the older lady particularly had been there for a long time. She sort of took me under a wing. So she showed me all the systems, what to do um, and really, really took me under a wing. But the other, the others were okay. Um, it was, it was more male orientated because it was sort of, parcels and, and careering you'd, you'd speak to a lot of males so it, it was a good bunch there was a good bunch of people luckily for me so that worked out well um but yeah I knew it was only sort of maternity at, at that point just covering so I knew at some point 
it would end. Um, but then actually it came to the end of that period and they said, look, we, we can't let you go. You've, you've done so well, we'll make a job for you. Um, so I, I sort of took a permanent role um, full time working from, so that really worked out really well for me. So I suppose my path just, it just took me naturally. I just sort of did what I was doing for those nine months and then I just took it as it came. So what, what do you think you were sort of learning about yourself during that time as a person? I think I learned that I could work hard and I really could. I had that can do attitude. And and at that point, I knew that if, if somebody rang me, I would I would commit to doing something and I could do it. So I knew that I just I just got along with people and if I made a commitment, I would follow it through and I like to make people happy. And that's where I found sort of the customer service side really, really helped. I remember at a time, God, it was, it used to be once a year. Um, it was the iPhone release day. So, you know, having younger children, you'll have known how the craze for iPhones back then. So it was always November and it always, every year it used to be the, the iPhone days, the madness day. So you would get people ringing up. They used to get a delivery slot. Um, you get people ringing up. I've, I've missed my driver. They was in tears, some of them. That's how much these phones, these phones meant to people. Um, so I, I learned to to deal with people um, that were really quite stressed and, and upset. It was like a big thing for them at the time. The phone hadn't come and they had to wait a whole new, another day. Um, so I just learned to, to speak to people and, and compromise and just communicate really well and you'd find nine times out of ten people would calm down eventually and we'd get a reasoning we come come to work at an agreement and sometimes you don't always get get that and you people slam the phone down but you just you just take it as it comes you it's learn a massive, it's a massive skill that isn't it to learn how to deal with people well learning to deal with people is a big issue but learning to deal with people who are upset difficult it's a yeah. whole other level isn't it yeah difficult people that, that have waited and paid so much money for a product and it it was released day and they want it on that day yeah it, it was a really big challenge and I just I just learned so much that I can you can make people yeah. calm down and what what do you think with the sort of skills or, or how did you help people to calm down how would you sort of approach that there's somebody listening to this who's thinking, oh, I wish I could tell what has got people who are upset around me. You know, how do I deal with them? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, it's just sort of keep keep calm. And I always used to pull up the, the notes on the system. I used to look at who this person was and, and where they was based. So I'd, I'd always set on, look, I'll, I'll call a driver for you. I'll see if he can come back, if he or she can come back, or I'll see what we can do for you. Let me just have a go for you. And sometimes the driver would go back but sometimes they wouldn't. So if the driver said no, then I think, right, what's tactically, what's the next thing for me to say? So just, just sort of going through the steps and, and not reacting the same that they do in the first instance. So you might get people shouting, don't shout back at them. Just keep calm, just keep calm. <laughs> they talk a lot about sort of emotional intelligence, don't they? I don't know if you've come across that. And that is emotional intelligence, isn't it? About yeah empathy and thinking about the other person but also controlling your own emotions so they don't spill over and make the situation yeah. worse yeah so now at the time I was doing that just every day but now it's later on I've learned that there is some, some something's called emotional intelligence but it was natural to me and that's what I I know my strengths and weaknesses 
and how to make people come down from the roof. I think it can be my tone. It's just the way I sort of act with people over the phone. They get that sense that this is okay. This is going to be okay. But yeah, I was doing it naturally all those years ago. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> so um, after a little bit of time, um, that, that job came to an end, didn't it? And, and you were sort of made redundant, which sounds like a really sort of tough situation. Yeah. How, yeah. how did you feel at that time? And, and how did you then kind of pick yourself up to move on to the yeah. next thing? it was it was really tough it was it was all I'd known for a couple of years and I just started to find my feet I'd I was learning more and more each day I'd really found what I thought was going to be a career for a few years and I sort of worked my way up um but I remember when I was on holiday I was actually on holiday when I found out in Turkey with my now husband and I just it was day one of my holiday and I just remember thinking oh my god what what do we do what do I do now how, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to live? It was massive. It was life changing. And one part of me thought you could you can worry about this and, and it ruin your holiday. And the other part of me thought, no, you'll you'll be OK. You, you can work. You, you work hard. You'll find something. And I, en- I enjoyed my holiday. Didn't worry about it. Just got on with it and thought deal with it when we got back. Um, so it was unlike a 90 day sort of period. Um, the depot was was sort of closing it was a franchise it was small depot it was going to about 40 miles away and to a bigger bigger branch and our jobs were just no longer relevant so we we sort of had meetings really serious meetings I look back now and think wow there was it was quite scary so you you was in a meeting room being told that this is your you're not going to have a job after this day we're closing on this day um so yeah it it was a horrible time but again you, you learn that you can bounce back from these things and it's not the end of the world and you'll be fine it's really interesting isn't it because sometimes those really hard moments you almost learn more about yourself than when it's going well yeah yeah so that was for both it happened to me and my mum at the same time so in the family it was a a really big thing um but yeah you, you do you do so how did you then find your way into the National Nuclear Laboratory, <laughs> which sounds like a jump? <laughs> Massive nuclear in itself. Terri- the word nuclear was like terrifying at that time because I knew nothing about it. Um, it was a bit of luck, really. Again, see, this is this is twice now. I sort of land, land in my jobs. But I think it's just my personality. People trust that I recommend Mel for a job and, and she'll do the job. Um, so one of my, my colleagues that worked at UK Mail um, actually had a, a sister who worked for NNL and that sister ended up to be Kathy, Kathy is a facility manager so it was Kathy's brother that, that sort of said to me and my sister works at this place at, at Risley um, give me a CV and I'll send it to her for you so I sent it I thought no, not a chance nowhere on God's earth will I end up with an interview or a job here I thought it's it's way above me way above me and it's nuclear it's it's not something I, I know anything about but I, the, I luckily I landed in an interview um I was terrified because it was I'd gone from this tiny tiny office in Lee um, drove all the way to Risley drove three or four times before the interview to make sure I knew where I was going um and then stepped into Warrington the offices and it was huge. I remember thinking, wow, this is this is really nice. This is a beautiful place to work. This looks really lovely. Um, 
and yeah, the interview went well. And, and that is how I found myself at NNL. Wow. Were there any hard questions in the interview? Can you remember? Yes, there was two. There was two, two of the on, panel. And they? at that point, there was <laughs> sort of, they started asking me scenario questions and, and what would you do in, in this instance and, and about difficult customers maybe and, and what would you do in this instance and that. And I think you don't really, you've, if you've not had much practice, you don't think about the things that you do every day. You can't put them down until you've had a lot of practice so yeah there were some tough questions but I, I remember sitting in the room at the end and once they'd asked me my questions they said have you got any anything to say and I just sort of I don't know where I put the courage up to say say this I just said I'd, I would just like you to give me a chance and and I can I'll prove that I can work hard and and learn and pick things up and I always remember that it must have landed okay though because that that's what I, that's how I ended up at NNL Fantastic. So, um, so that was a success. So then you went into the business service team, and, and I guess were you dealing with customers or were you dealing with internal matters to do with the business? Yeah, I think it, at first it was more internal, um, but then we take, we started to sit on reception. So then you got the external side of it. Uh, so you, before not long, you was you were speaking to internal customers and external. Um, and, and business services was an amazing opportunity and a really good stepping stone. So I found I was helping out before I knew it, helping out loads of departments on, on different little projects and, and really finding out a bit about everything across the business. So it was, I don't learned about procurement and I'm forever grateful in, in learning about procurement. And I still got my little notes that I had when I started. Um, it just learned me so much about the business, um, not just sort of one area. But yeah, we, we, we figured out that we had, I figured out we had internal and external customers. And then these, they was all equally important. But then if you was getting external customers, they could be really important people. And you think, wow, they, these are from government or, or here, there and everywhere. So it was, it was a new but exciting thing for me to do. I guess the other thing in that sort of role is you're, you're meeting lots of people and you're building relationships within the business so you know you know some of the people in procurement or you know some of the customers and so on so you get to recognize people and how to relate to them as well yeah yeah and I think you you build that working relationship with them so I've always like when I said earlier I, if I commit to something I would I would do it and then you soon find that you'll people will do the things for in favors for you the other way so that, that was really key in the business services role just getting these relationships building them and then before you know what you know a bit about a lot of the business that's right that's right and so, so how did they then move into sort of being a personal assistant how did that then develop yeah it's, it's crazy it's a crazy small world isn't it what, what we're living in I was just just doing my own business one day and I was I was sort of approached by um the strategic director back back then um and the HR director and they sort of said, we think you've got the skills that would be really, really good to, to come and work for us. Um, so do you, would you come and work for us sort of part time a couple of days a week? And, and would you do business services as, as your other, other half of the role? So I, the unconfident me was like, oh, I'm not too sure I can do this. But then the other side of me thought, if someone's if someone's identified, I've got skills, then then let's give it a go. I just needed that push. I, I think I, I would never gone looking for it. Um, I was sort of approached to come and have a go. 
um, with the opportunity of staying, if I didn't like it, just go back to my business services role. So I started to do that half and half. And then I, I really found that what they had said to me, I, I do have those skills um, just to be organised. And it was just peer heaven for me. I just naturally fell into that role, um, organised, really got on with people internally, externally. Uh, it brought its challenges because you, you kind of, you're working with the exec team. So you're learning how to have those conversations with people that are higher on, along the chain than yourself. So it was a really exciting, exciting time. And before I knew it, I was, I was doing it full time. I was sort of running with it and you know, I, really, I was loving it. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it's a, it's a great team, isn't it? The PA's sort of team. And I guess they were all giving you advice and helping you on you as you were learning how to do things. Yeah, yeah, there was amazing. So we, we used to sit, we didn't sit together at that point. We sit around the office, but you soon found out who knew what about which which exec team or who could give you help. But then equally, because of my knowledge across the business, they would ask me for similar things like procurement mail. What do, you, what do you do in this instance? We soon found a nice little way of working. Um, and that was a good little, we have a good little team and we always have done. And then before I knew it, a couple of people had, had left in the team and I was sort of one of the ones that had been here longer than everyone else. They hadn't been doing it too long myself. So it, it soon transpired into, now you've been here the longest, sort of can you, can you help you, the new people that come in? Mm, that's nice isn't it because people who've helped you but then you're able to sort of pass that help on to other people yeah and that's how you you find your relationships and, and building and that's how you find a really good way of working and it just becomes your job becomes so easy if, if you know what to do and and who to speak to and to get yeah. along with your team it just makes life so much easier and have you ever sort of felt shy about asking questions and things like that when you don't when you're a bit unsure about how to do something? At first, yeah, and I think no, still a little. I think I've, that's always been my development because of the shy element from a long time ago um, to ask more questions and, and not be afraid to shout mm -hmm. up and, and say. I think I've it's grown a little in the last few years, um, but sometimes. In who you look after in the exec team you do have to make those decisions and, and, and I rapidly learned that if, if you whoever you're not looking after is isn't in you need to make a decision and and just go with it and take the consequences later so it's a risk it is a risk but you do soon pick that up yes yes and I, I guess the executives who you're sort of looking after as it were you get to know them really well because you're working really closely you know with people aren't you and you soon learn that different people have different ways of working. So again, you're adapting. So one person you work for could be quite direct and then another person could be the opposite. So you learn how to adapt. It's really weird how you do it naturally because your style could be completely different to both of those, but you still learn how to actually work with both of them and work really well. Um, see, I remember at the at the time I, I was sort of still young and still learning and growing into the role but I sort of ended up I slipped into a bit of a, a visa sort of it was when the time when we was going to visas and uh, going to China and we ended up doing lots of visas so we ended up learning so much about the Chinese visas and, and how you get one and all the paperwork and that was at the time I thought that was so terrifying to text somebody's passport 
because I used to go to Manchester um, into the Chinese embassy it was um, and then do all the paperwork for somebody and it, and it was it was the realization that if this isn't done right your boss isn't going to China they're just going to not let let them go so you, you think it's it's so small but at the time it's so important so that was a massive learning curve I found myself going weekly and then I found myself going for different people because I was sort of the only one in Europe to do it and it just all it was just a massive learning curve and a great experience for me. So then you started to um, you got invited to look after the board so tell us about that how did that happen and how did you find that? Yeah, so again, it's a bit of luck, I think, sort of, I, I fell into it, I was a, approached to to have a go. Um, someone had left that role, and I just sort of was given a, two sides of, of A4 paper, and I've still got those pieces of paper now, they're like my, my notes forever, um, and I just sort of said, learn, learn the board yourself. So for me, it was a blank page, and I took on that opportunity to make that role my own. So looking back now, it one of the best things that I've, I've ever done and, and, and learned so much about it so it was if this is how it's done now and if, if you don't if you didn't like it I had the chance to change it and and do it make things better um so that that went really well I, I built relationships with the the non-exec directors who are quite quite important people so I've been through really great careers and fantastic people learned so much from them um and I also got bit more of a relationship with the rest of the exec team which is which was really good you sort of built that rapport up with people that that you can trust Mel Mel will sort of if she commits to something again she'll get it done and that's that was the main thing there's no real no real skill um to the board Pierre I don't think there is anywhere it's just communicating um commitment and and that can-do attitude there's there's never what's the worst that can go wrong we're not in sort of anywhere where anyone's going to get hurt not in relation to the board so I've always learned and, and built built on each meeting and we're in a really good place with those meetings now I think they've, they've massively improved so it was another opportunity that I was I was given and and it worked out really well again it's really it's really interesting because I was just thinking back to when you were at school and where you were quite shy but one of the features all the way through your career has been actually even though you know, you might have been shy then and from time to time you might feel shy. You're still a really good people person. And each yeah. role has required you to interact with different sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of roles. And it's one of the things you bring to what you do. Do you think that's that's right? Yeah, definitely. And there's still shy, shy elements to me now. And but I just think when it's your job, you just get on with it and it, it much, becomes much more easy once you know what you're talking about you've got a subject to to speak to people about so yeah the, there is there's always been that that part of me that, that is shy but then I feel confident in other ways it's a strange strange feeling it's just a straight strange personality trait to have but it, it just when you feel comfortable in knowing what you're doing and, and confident that you can work and, and do the job your shyness sort of goes goes to the back of it yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? So just thinking about you at school, maybe at that point when you were at school and you decide you made the decision that you were going to go to college and you were going to have like a start with a clean sheet of paper almost. Um, if you could give yourself that one piece of advice at that point, what do you think it would be? 
Um, looking back, I think don't don't change who you who you are for anyone else. Carry on, be who you are. Um, if they don't like it, then that's that's not your fault. Um, be who you are. Stay true to yourself, mm. and and keep always have the ethic that you can work hard and the can-do attitude, and it will get you far. In like mm. it will get you somewhere. It, it really will. It, it works out. It's, it's the harder route sometimes, um, but it, it's worked out for me. And you just get presented with so many amazing opportunities um, because of that trust mm. that you built with people and, and the can-do attitude. It's surprising how the word gets round that that you can. That Mel is is good at this, and, and Mel can do that. Um, and it is. It's just that trust. But yeah, I'd say don't change. Be yourself. Be yourself. I think that's fantastic advice, isn't it? Be, be yourself um, and work hard and things just seem to happen, don't they? Yeah. And, and yeah. don't worry if, if, you, if you're being told that university, if you don't want to go to university, if that's not your path, don't worry. It will work out. It Absolutely. does. It always does if you're willing to put the hard work in. That's great advice, Mel. Oh, it's been great to catch up and to have a chat with you about your, your journey so far and on into new things and more of the recruitment side of things at NNL. So I wish you all the very best in the next little transition in your career going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Andrew. If you've enjoyed this podcast, To help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.